you know, it's an overwhelming um, argument in favour of urban greening. Plenty of evidence now, and uh, lots of uh, peer-reviewed scientific papers to back it up. So it's not just uh, uh, the opinion of a few people. It, it's been shown to be real. So that that's you know, we're in a very strong position now. Hello, and welcome to Rethink What Matters, the podcast dedicated to aligning the economy, the ecology, and everyone for improved business profitability, stronger families, and a greener planet. And today, I'm joined by Gary Grant of the Green Infrastructure Consultancy, and we're going to be discussing green roofs, living walls, and rain gardens. Okay, Gary, thanks very much for joining me on this podcast, the uh, Rethink What Matters um, podcast, where you know we're really about trying to bring the um, the economy, the ecology, and and everyone into alignment. As as I say, once again, thanks very much, Gary from Green Infrastructure Consultancy. Good, good to be and, here, Paul. Yep. And, and we're going to be talking about green roofs, living walls, and rain gardens. Um, and I've seen just some you know fantastic projects on your website. I uh, you know, really, really great stuff. They're really big projects, really great things that you're doing there at uh, Meadowbank Development there and Team London Bridge, the Greater London Authority, the David Attenborough Building, PwC More London. And, um, you know, it's really, I think as a subject, it's absolutely spot on uh, for what we're all about. Um, you know, again, you know, bringing the the the, uh, the economy, the ecology and, um, and everyone into alignment. And so I did a quick little bit of research, um, you know, just to look at all the benefits of this. And there are vast, there are many. There are there's stormwater management, uh, habitat creation, energy efficiency, air quality improvement, biodiversity enhancement, roof longevity, noise reduction, aesthetic appeal, mental health benefits, groundwater recharge and educational opportunities. So this is just brilliant for us. Mm. So, um, yeah, perhaps, Gary, you'd... Uh, Give us a little bit of a, uh, an introduction to yourself and your journey that uh, got you started on, you know, your interest in green roofs, living walls and rain gardens. Well, thanks for that, Paul. That's a pretty good list, isn't it, of benefits. You can't really argue with that. So, uh, um, you know, it's an overwhelming um, argument in favour of urban greening. Plenty of evidence now and uh, lots of uh, peer-reviewed scientific papers to back it up. So it's not just... Uh, uh, the opinion of a few people it, it's been shown to be real so that that's you know we're in a very strong position now um so i used to be um uh, i used to work for the london wildlife trust back in the 1980s and the idea of urban ecology and urban nature was a little bit uh, fringe in those days people thought that towns and cities should be grey um, and the all the nature should be out in the countryside um, so and there's still some people who perhaps think that way they're a little surprised about urban urban biodiversity urban greening so um, you know around London there were a few little bits and pieces that were left behind you know they weren't all built on and there were a few nature reserves and so on so it was about hanging on to those places before they were built on if you like so it wasn't a very it wasn't like now where we're saying we want to restore nature it was more about hanging on to nature but through right. that process yep. you know we uh started i started to think about well yes we could restore nature here and there 
And so I first got involved in Green Roofs back in the early 90s, 1990s, when uh, there was a, an architecture firm called Archetype that would build schools and uh, visitor centers and museums. And we put a green roof on the um, Horniman Museum extension. So it's a wooden building, a little green roof, Nordic-style green roof on there. And I didn't really know very much about it, but it just seemed the right thing to do for, for, yeah. from my point of view. I didn't know about all the benefits. I just wanted to put wildflowers on, on a roof. Yeah. And so that was one of the first ones I got involved with. And, uh, you know, over the years, um, there weren't that many opportunities. Um, however, um, uh, in the 2000s, um, there was a renewed interest in green roofs because people right. like Dusty Gedge had been to Switzerland and they'd seen that the Swiss and the Germans were already doing this kind of thing. And the idea at that point was that when you lose a bit of waste ground, which is full of wildlife, maybe you put that habitat on the building that's replacing the waste ground. Right. So that was the thinking back then. Um, and so there was a renewed interest. And then um, I wrote a report for Natural England in 2003. I think it, I think it was uh, English Nature in those days, Natural England a report on green roofs in 2003. Right. So uh, won the contract to write that, wrote that report, which was a review. And then in 2008, the mayor of London started, um, as a result of all the campaigning that had been going on in London, the mayor of London thought, well, yes, this is a good thing. So there was an expectation after 2009 that, that the centre of London should have green roofs and the local authority started to get involved and uh, I joined um, a firm called Green Roof Consultancy around about 2009, which was right. involved in, in all that, that. And of course, later on, we changed the name of the company to the Green Infrastructure Consultancy because we got involved in green walls and rain gardens and yeah. planning and um, uh, policy and all sorts of bits and pieces so, so, to do with urban greening. So it, it spread from the roofs and, and now what, it's all what, sorts of what things. What was driving it at the time? Though? Was it the aesthetics appeal of it that was driving it? Was it uh, the, you know, just the people wanting to have obviously more you know, greener spaces because they're nicer to live with? People recognise that nature is a good thing. It was less. Was it less about um, you know what we're all looking at today, which is trying to you know address climate warming and uh, yeah, uh, well, of course, climate change was known about then, but it wasn't high on the agenda. Mm -hmm. I mean, from my point of view, I wanted more wildlife habitat. So right. that's where I was coming from. Yeah. Um, I I suppose um, people were, the way architects used to describe it back then was as footprint replacement. So right. the idea is that you've got a bit of ground you build on, you lift that ground up and put it on the top of the roof. So it's almost... Uh, a way of minimizing your overall impact if you like but uh, people yeah yeah but yeah um but uh, it wasn't really about aesthetics but of course okay. designers designers are about aesthetics so yes. yeah that's very important but it's a very good question um i mean the sustainable drainage agenda wasn't really there back in right. those days and yet that is an important part of it isn't it so it's really it's really coming to its own now isn't it? it's finding it's really finding its place i mean it's uh, it's going to be something which every, every, you know everyone's going to want to do i was speaking with somebody the other day about permaculture 
Oh, yeah. Yeah, and that seems quite related to this as well. You know, it's uh, maybe less on roofs and walls and things, but you can see how everybody's trying to get nature back into society and back into our living spaces. And, and our yeah, well, areas. of course, permaculture involves people growing uh, food. Yeah. And uh, you can have a roof garden, of course. Um, so yeah. green roofs are not just the lightweight ones. They're also gardens which you can access and growing food on roofs is a big big thing you know in, right. uh, in across the world there are people you know in, in in some parts of the states this is a big deal on the continent growing food on buildings in in china right. you have this as well it, it is a thing and that's a, that's, ta that's that's taken off as well the yeah group, yeah living walls and rain guards predominantly is a business oriented thing that's really what we're talking about here isn't it is about yeah yeah how businesses can use it and then whether that's in public spaces or in private spaces, I guess. So yeah. most of the projects, I think, if I understand this correctly, they're public. They're public projects. Well, uh, there was one with P PwC we saw there. Well, there's a mixture. The I mean, well, no, I'm, we, we've worked on policy with, yeah. with you know public bodies like the Mayor of London and so on, but most projects are private projects. So, for instance, okay. the the David Attenborough building, which is a, a re, it was a refurbished 1970s building owned by the University of Cambridge. Right. And uh, that project, um, I mean, that building is reinforced concrete. So re-retrofitting is easier than it is on some buildings because it's a very right. strong building. And the brief there was, let's get biodiversity on the building. So, okay. um, so you know, that was for uh, University of Cambridge. Right. So, you you know, it's quite a sophisticated client. But actually, the you know, to begin with, um, uh, the, there were plans to perhaps uh, have green roofs which weren't as biodiverse as they could be. So our role was to really push that and then right, have okay. a high diversity of planting. So, yeah, that's a private project. Um, a lot of the developments in central London, like the, um, you know, Elephant Park, which is in south London there, Elephant okay. Castle, that's all right. new housing. That all has green roofs because the planning body, which is the borough of Southwark, would have, would have required, well, they do require green roofs. Um, right. So, you know, okay. that's private. Um, sometimes people in the client group aren't, perhaps aren't, aware of this but they have to do it anyway now in london so yeah no, other there are, large there are some private... mandatory reporting requirements i think there are some mandatory reporting requirements coming in now i think aren't there yeah well there's from, planning from the planning UN. requirements yeah there's planning yeah. requirements as well you know mm -hmm. um, uh, to get planning permission in central london for a new building you need to put a green roof on it right that's, that's um, in the you know, urban green... green roof right yeah 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 unless there's a good reason why you can't Right. So it's an okay. expectation. It's the default position now. So in central London, um, there are right. millions of square meters of green roofs now. Okay, that's great. And uh, so obviously they need to be maintained, don't they? So it's all right building it, but then are there? What are the issues around maintaining? Because I can't manage a pot plant, let alone a green roof. <laughs> so, well, um, um, it, it depends what it is, really. Yeah. So if it's what we call extensive, that is uh, relatively lightweight, re relatively self-sustaining. Mm -hmm. um, and so the idea is that you just go up there now and then just to make sure everything's okay, uh, pull, yeah. pull up a few unwanted plants. You know, there are plants that tend to spread like buddleia and they can cause problems. 
um, you know, windborne weeds and so on, pull those up, unblock the drains and so on. So very minimal, right. not, no maintenance. That That's yeah. not correct. Minimal maintenance, but any roof should be looked at anyway. Right. You know, and I suppose there are specific burden. plants, yeah, that, uh, that yeah, lend yeah, themselves to being yeah. on a roof. Yeah, yeah, very low growing, drought tolerant. You don't irrigate; it just looks after itself, and that—that's the key to it. It's having the right drought tolerant plants, sedums, and other wildflowers that don't need much looking after. But of course, if it's a garden, that's something yeah. different. You'll need people potentially going there certainly frequently or regularly. Yeah. Just keep an eye on it uh, because, as we know, gardens do fall apart. But but a garden is also used. Um, quite a bit isn't it so yeah, it's yes. not a, it's not really a burden it's just an amenity that needs looking after i was going to ask actually you know to, to what extent are these gardens actually used rather than just being you know uh, a lawn on top of a top of a building well the you could have lawns although they're not that common because of course they yeah. need to be mown but most roof gardens are paved areas mixed with seating and planting okay and you know they are very popular i mean they're great place obviously to have a party have a an event okay but uh, you'll find that roof gardens in london um i mean there are one or two open to the public as well um you know in fenchurch street you've got uh roof garden there which is open to the public okay um, but most of them are very well used because right. it's a great spot to have your lunch a uh, great place to have a meeting during the day right. special events so yeah they're, they're it, it really uh, adds a lot to a building right okay and so what are the challenges then or what are the prerequisites for having a roof garden maybe you're in an older building a company might be in an older building and think yeah we want to do this mm. are there some obvious things they could look for to see if you know, one might fit before they get a consultant in? Well, um, yeah, I mean, the first thing you need to know is whether or not you've got the strength in the building to to take the weight. Right. So before you do anything else, you need a structural engineer to let you know how much loading there is available. Um, you know, quite a lot of older buildings are surprisingly strong. So right. um, I worked on a, a building that used to be a print uh, printing works, yeah. Um, from the 50s, plenty of strength in there, no problem putting a roof garden on. But of course, other buildings may may not have the strength in the structure to take that. So, yeah, absolutely. For retrofitting older buildings, that can be a challenge uh, right. to, to be able to take all that weight. But it can often be done. I mean, we estimate that, um, um, you know, a third of the commercial buildings in London could be retrofitted with extensive green roofs. And there are a few clues as well. So, for instance, if you see a building with paving slabs on it, which are holding down the insulation, that's a common style yeah. of, of roof on a flat roof. Those paving slabs weigh more or less the same as an extensive green roof. So if so you know already if you were to swap out at swap over the paving slabs with a green roof, you you would know obviously it needs to be confirmed by by an engineer, but yeah. chances are you can do that. So there's quite a lot of potential for retrofit. And then of course with new building, um although there's an extra cost, it shouldn't really be a problem for the architects and structural engineers to design these things into the building that that shouldn't be a problem at all well, yeah brilliant and so we've got the benefit there then of uh, habitat creation yep so that's that's you know energy efficiency as well so it's a natural insulator up there yeah well uh, I yes um 
but it's it's better to think of it this way so when you have um soil and vegetation you in summer you get evaporative cooling right so okay. there's a shade effect but you get evaporative cooling so right. that actively cools a building in summer having soil vegetation that's on it it's a good point so, yeah. so that really is a significant thing and there's uh, an interesting um um variation on on extensive green roofs called solar green roofs or biosolar roofs where you combine pvs with the extensive green roof yeah and that means you get your you get cooling from the green roof which increases the efficiency of the pv so that's a really interesting story and worth so these having are a look at solar panels is this solar panels with solar panels com combined yeah. with a green roof and it's the cooling uh, which is the thing and of course um the water the rain that lands on that roof is partially absorbed in that soil and yeah. then it's that which um evaporates later on giving you the cooling right okay so that's the energy so it's, side it's mainly about shade and cooling right it's great how sort of the infrastructure the buildings and nature are starting to work together and exactly yeah yeah, yeah it's yeah, really yeah. really cool isn't it really cool mm. i love that it's really literally great. cool yeah yeah so yeah. <laughs> <laughs> literally cooling yeah, so yeah. Um, you know and obviously nice space is great for productivity right i mean we all yeah. like a nice place to work in space to work in yeah, living yeah. walls i mean we're talking about green roofs there's living walls there's yep. rain gardens in a minute yeah, living yeah. walls like vertical gardens yeah um i guess there must be some limitations as to what where you can put a living wall you can't just put one up anywhere uh true um but um in some ways there are more possibilities because you can usually find a way to take the weight um uh, right. so you know with a roof there may be situations where you can't you can't have a green roof but most yeah. walls can be modified to transfer the weight um you know okay. you can use steel um steel uh, uh subframes and so on to spread weight to load bearing parts right. of the wall or you can transfer the weight down the wall so or you can grow lightweight climbing plants on on trellises so there's usually a way of vegetating a wall right um, and it doesn't really obviously you don't want to cover windows but it doesn't really matter either what direction the wall is facing in because you can choose plants that are yeah. say shade tolerant for north facing or or don't yeah. mind the extra sun for south facing or or in between for east and west so so there's a there's a lot of possibilities for vegetating um vertically and of course the great thing about that is you get the cooling which we've already talked about but people can see it yeah um and and it's relatively inexpensive um um compared to well that well it depends what it is if it's just climbing plants that's very very inexpensive and easy to look after if it's what we call um modular green walls intensive green walls that's a that's a different story you know where you're irrigating you've got thousands of plants in modules that that's a lot more um involved but right. you know it's still it still can be a good value for money if as long as you can afford the maintenance and it's really about the aesthetic appeal of it it's a it's about the working space it's about creating a nice environment well, yeah. obviously there's the benefits for the environment and cleaning the air as well but yeah. are they are they growing in popularity are more companies doing yeah I, I mean the the first um green wall i worked on was at the uh, westfield shopping center in shepherd's bush so i think okay. that was about 2006 or seven 
And right. at the time, the industry for what we call modular green walls didn't exist in the UK. Right. Um, but since then, and we brought products from uh, Canada, I think it was. But since then, um, uh, there's you know several companies have established themselves to provide green walls. Right. You know there are three or four quite large companies now doing this, and then a few other smaller ones. And you know. I'm seeing green walls pop pop up all over the place. Shopping centers now, you'll see green walls, hotels. Right. Um, uh, and then, of course, the climbing plants on schools. Schools are very, it's very popular because it's a way of, um, as you say, a way of intercepting air pollution as well. Yeah. Um, private dwellings um, and also interior uh, planting with green walls as well is, is very popular. Just using house plants, but really getting right. spectacular effects. So I think the... Um, the agenda there is about health and well-being, you know, yeah. lowering blood pressure, um, that kind of it's thing. It's nice to be around living exactly, things, isn't it? Yeah, yeah nice yeah, yeah, nature. Yeah. We just yeah. probably absorb that without even realising it, you know, it probably yeah. calms us down. And yeah, noise yeah. reduction as well, I guess. So probably, yeah, 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 that, yeah, that's right. Um, um, uh, the... Uh, the the green wall in Shepherd's Bush was really a, a barrier between the residential um, area, terrace, right. house, terrace housing, and the shopping centre. So that was the purpose of that green wall, actually. Right. Okay. So the first one of the first ones in the UK was a noise yeah. and visual barrier. So yeah. many benefits for this, really, yeah. is, isn't it? Yeah, I mean, yeah, yeah. I don't think it's really a well. It's not really a domestic thing at the moment, is it? But. Um, I suppose it gets easier and it'll get cheaper and smaller businesses will do it and maybe, you know, people yeah, start well, to get more. There are quite a lot of um, uh, people that have this at home now. So okay. um, if you've got the money, you know, you can go out to one of the firms and do it. But you can go out and buy um, green wall modules as a DIY exercise. So, you know, right. some of the bigger um, suppliers actually sell, you know, you can go on their website, buy panels, um, right. fix them to your own garage or your own back wall and plant them yourself so right um it, it, it is something that can be literally um the size of a table or, right. or cover a whole building you know I it can be scaled yeah i guess i'm thinking i suppose you can there are climbers aren't they? they've always had climbers on the side yeah of the yeah 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 but i guess there's about definition really what defines a living wall uh versus having some climbers on a trellis yeah, know. well, they're both they're all living walls, but yeah, um, yeah the, the definitions are a little bit um, difficult to pin down because different experts have, have talked yeah. about different things. Yeah. Um, but yeah, in general, you've they're all living, they're all yeah. on walls, but uh, you've got the climbers, which could be in the ground growing up or in planted boxes growing up, and those boxes right. could be high up. Yes. Or you've got what we would call, as I say, um, modular um panels modules um which which are stackable if you like and right some of those have got soil in uh, most are pre-planted they're all irrigated those some okay. of them don't have soil some of them are hydroponic you know that they they just uh they just they're pre-grown in the nursery and you just pop them in place so so and there's a lot of different products different ways of doing this so there's a lot it's there's a lot of opportunities, and if you want to, if somebody yep. wants to explore this for themselves or for their business, then there's yeah, there's there are a number of ways of going about it. Yeah, yeah, and and you know, a green wall is more likely to be a special feature, you know, right. uh, in a near a reception, a gateway feature, 
maybe right. to advertise a business, uh, you know, uh, uh, restaurants, hotels to give you something special to see. Um, whereas, you know, having climbing plants all the way around, say, the outside of a school might be a way of screening it from uh, air pollution. So I think it's uh, there's a whole range of different techniques if you like according okay. to your the need and the budget so Two plenty plenty of good ideas there and of yeah. course it means you've got greening where you wouldn't normally have space so you know on the when you've got a bird's eye view of a green wall it doesn't exist does it it's just a line um yeah. it's but actually it could be a huge feature um so that can be important when you're for instance in in london you know you have the urban greening factor and yep. walls uh, count in that. So if you haven't got space on the ground and you've got limited space on the roof, the way of meeting your greening targets is with vertical greening. Okay, so um, there are greening targets then. Are there things called greening targets that companies have got to aim for? Yeah, so in London, you have something called the urban greening factor, which means that right. you need to um, get a, a minimum uh, a minimum amount of uh, vegetation on your development. Right. Um, uh, you can look that up. The urban greening factor it supports uh, the urban greening policy and the London plan. It's it's okay. there in the plan, right. and uh, uh, the government are thinking of rolling this out across the whole country. The same targets have been copied in Wales, for instance, in Swansea. So I think it's going to catch on. And right. vertical greening, well, green roofs, but also green walls will be the way of meeting these targets on difficult sites. I mean, are there any other? Uh, any other targets the companies you know will need to meet in the future or now yeah so the other the other big big um deal now is uh, biodiversity net gain okay so there's a mandatory 10 percent biodiversity net gain um it's coming in this year to 2023 it's part of the environment act 2021 right um so um Biodiversity net gain 10%. Well, 10%, if, if you're starting from a low baseline, 10% may not be that difficult, actually. Yeah. Uh, but in urban situations, green roofs, green walls will provide habitat, which will contribute to that 10% target. So, so it, uh, 10% net gain biodiversity target. Yeah. So where's the, how do you, where's the gain there? Is it about how much biodiversity you've removed because you've built, you know, you've you removed so much biodiversity by the footprint of your your business. Yeah, yeah. And you've got to go and do that plus ten percent with. Yeah, you have to replace what. Yeah, you have to replace what you've lost plus add ten right. percent. Now, if you start with nothing, it's it's easy. So if it's just a a previously developed site with no vegetation, yeah, then a green roof job done. Um, right. If, however, the baseline is of a site that's thriving with plenty of wildlife, then you have yeah. got a bit of a and then you challenge can remove there. that and you put a building then, there. Okay. Then you, yeah. So then you vegetate the building, but you might have to do even more than that if it's a, a valuable site. And isn't and that course, great? Uh, yeah, that's yeah, great that they're, yeah, they're yeah. for net ten, uh, yeah. net ten gain. You said. Because yeah, ten percent gain. 10, yeah, sorry, ten percent, ten percent gain. So ten yeah. percent more than was there originally. So, yeah. yeah. Um, which is uh, very much around what a water is all about regeneration. So that's yeah, yeah, yeah. doing more good than harm, not yeah. sustainable. And because, know, so it's a because it's a statutory requirement, everyone's interested. Yes. You know, people have been um, campaigning about biodiversity now for a long time, but a lot right. of people have just thought, well, yeah, whatever, you know, nice yeah. to have, uh, yes, but, uh, but business as usual. But now... 
developers, architects, they're all asking, what does this mean for us? What do we have right. to do? So it is, although there are problems with the interpretation of it, the measurement of it, yeah. the long-term stewardship of it, and so on, yeah. lot, and it's all new and lots of debate about the, the, how you measure the techniques, the metrics, um, mm. it's still, it's a good thing in the sense that this is now being taken seriously yeah. and uh um today i was uh, talking to an architecture practice and they i could tell this is relatively new to them they'd heard of you know moving newts around and protecting bats before but that wasn't a right. very positive process it's more yeah. oh we've got a protective species let's move it out of the way yeah. now with this net gain it's about regeneration restoration it's a positive thing it's actually exactly, saying yeah. this business yeah exists uh yeah, yeah. this business this business is actually doing more good for the environment than harm mm. you know yeah not yeah just yeah, creating exactly. a profit yeah absolutely so one of the things that um we haven't looked at much yet is uh, sustainable drainage as it's called mm -hmm. um and green roofs are a source control method in a sustainable drainage plan right scheme so the idea is with sustainable drainage that you mimic nature by holding water in the landscape, cleaning it, providing habitat before it flows into rivers. Whereas, of course, the conventional way is that you have a grey roof. It goes into a downpipe. The downpipe goes into a sewer. It overloads the sewer. Um, you get sewage spills with combined sewers or you get flooding in the streets. So right. sustainable drainage should involve green roofs. And these green roofs will tend to have deeper soils because the deeper the soil, the more rain you can hold on the roof. Right. Okay. Um, so, so there's a whole, um, uh, there's a whole opportunity there to start dealing with flood management or, or reducing the risk of flood using green roofs. Right. But then of course, when it comes off the roof, uh, then you might have um, ground level features, swales, rain gardens, water flowing, infiltrating into the ground if the if the soil uh, and the geology is suitable and uh, then um you know into other features before it overflows either into the sewer or into the river so yeah it, there's a whole and this is something that's been talked about for years and it's right. been very slow to to um to um be taken taken up the government's uh, you know shown some interest and then dragged its feet but now with the environment act there's a new impetus to start using sustainable drainage to deal with the risk of uh, surface water flooding so that fits in nicely with the biodiversity agenda yeah. climate change adaptation biodiversity it's all it should all be part of a joined up approach isn't that great? Uh, really great to hear how all this urban greening is bringing nature back into the cities mm. and uh, becoming mm. a part of everyday life, you know, heading mm. in the right direction we are there. And uh, mm. so just one other area that we're going to talk about, which is rain gardens. Yeah. Uh, can you just talk a little bit about that, introduce everybody to what yeah. a rain so, garden so, is? Well, a rain garden is one of the features that you can have in your sustainable drainage um, system. So rain garden just sounds like a positive thing, doesn't it? So, you know, the experts would argue about exactly what it is. But when you're talking about the pub, talking with the public, if you're 
if you know if you say well you need sustainable urban drainage systems then the average person says well what's that you know it doesn't sound very nice or it doesn't sound very interesting whereas a rain garden sounds like a something you want to have yeah this is no 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 so a rain garden is a is a planted bed that's modified yeah. mm -hmm. so that water can flow into it deliberately right um and then when it over flows it will then flow over into another rain garden or into the drain or whatever it is so what it's right. doing it's it's slowing the flow down it's temporarily storing water um and then it drains away slowly and it's made out i mean they can be quite simple in some ways just a shallow basin mm -hmm. with sandy soil which um right which which also absorbs rain or it can be more complicated than that but uh it's it's a it's an ornamental it's potentially just an ornamental bed which functions as part of your drainage system okay and, so uh, hmm. yeah yeah so great i can see green roofs are a thing living walls are a thing uh, yeah. rain gardens then they are specifically there to just to hold on to the water for longer stop it running yeah. off, you know off into the uh, into the drainage yeah and um and be sort of used locally for longer or something is that yeah so what we can potentially um uh, put rain gardens where there's paving Right. Or okay. we can modify what would otherwise just be ornamental planting. I mean, it can still be ornamental, but, you know, a planted bed is right. a planted bed, which is just for show. Yeah. But a, a rain garden can be a planted bed, which is for show, which yeah. is also for nature, but also part of the drainage. So this is about a multifunctional approach. Right. And okay. that is that is a challenge because... You know what it's like. Life is divided up into different specialisms, different departments. You know, yeah. the drainage department isn't the same as the parks department, but actually the drainage and the parks should all be part of the same thing. And that, okay. that, that, is, a, that is a challenge, but that's the way we're moving now, multifunctionality. Brilliant. Sounds excellent. Well, thank you again. Thanks so much, Gary, for sharing your insights and your knowledge and your wisdom. And helping everybody to better understand these three areas of green roofs, living walls, and rain gardens. Yep. If we're trying to leave people with something to take away, you know, you're running a business and uh, you like the idea of a green roof uh, or a living wall, or rain garden. I mean, are there two, three, four, five things that they could just look at their business to see if this would be right for them? Okay? You know, as we were saying earlier, if you've got a large building, uh, you might be able to retrofit that building. Yeah. Um, if you can't have a, a green roof, you can probably have a green wall. Um, right. If if you've got grounds, so for instance, um, you know, industrial sites now are getting very interested in this sort of thing because although there may be limitations, often there's um, uh, a green desert, if you like, a bit of mown grass which isn't really doing anything, and mm -hmm. it might be that you can put sustainable drainage in their rain gardens. You can perhaps create habitat for wildlife. You can create space for people to have uh, their lunch and so on. And, yeah. you know, that can actually transform a business. If you've got a nice spot to have your lunch, then yes. then your staff turnover will will fall. And then you'll yes. save a lot more money than it costs you to make the feature. So I think nearly everyone can get involved in this. If right. you can't do it in your own on your own premises, you know, get involved um, with with um the voluntary sector and yeah, support the them with work days and so on, community right. schools. So yes. I think every, everyone can get involved in urban greening in one way or another. Gotcha. The more you look at it, 
the mm-hmm. more the more opportunities there are. So there's a process which we call um, green infrastructure auditing, which is about mapping what you already have, right. and then looking for opportunities to to intervene and and bring more uh, into you know into your neighbourhood. And we right. do a lot of that with business improvement districts, green infrastructure audits, and I think everyone can can do that you know in right. their own way you know you don't have to be an expert you can see what you have and think about yeah. what you could have right um and if you if you want to uh, use experts that's fine mm-hmm. um but you know there, there's there you can get involved in this in a grand yeah. way in a modest way there's plenty that can be done i like the idea of habitat creation also mm-hmm. you know um think that it'd uh, be nice if we could find you know introduce more butterflies and get bees back and all the insects all yeah. the sorts of things that there seem to be less of those now so yeah is there an opportunity for here for these to be wild roofs and maybe some wild absolutely yeah. yeah absolutely all, so yeah yeah well you've got you know you've got a campaign to attract pollinators so that's okay. uh, insects that visit flowers so you have more flowers yeah. that's that's all good that helps your bees and your butterflies but of course it's also important to remember that, for instance, butterflies need to lay their eggs uh, right. on particular plants. Okay. So the larval, the caterpillars need their food plants. So um, although increasing the number of pollinating uh, insects by having more flowers is good, it's only part of the story. We need yeah. we need larval food plants for, for butterflies and we need habitat for all the other species that are out there as well. So yes. it does, we do need to do a bit, a little bit more than just um, having a few flowers around. Um, that's bit, only the beginning. Bit more forethought, yeah. Yeah. And also we need uh, places for creatures to rest and, and breed and so on. Mm-hmm. We need, we need bird boxes, bat boxes, insect hotels, but, but importantly, the right thing in the right place. So insect hotels. Okay. Yeah, I've not come know, across it, insect hotels before. That's good. Yeah. So insect hotels need to be in a sunny spot, ideally. Right. Um, and they need to have the right size holes in there. You you can buy these now. Um, right. But, you know, it and there's more than honeybees. You know, the insect world. There are 250 species of wild bee. They're all important. They all right. they all play their part. Honeybees yeah. are provide honey that's mm-hmm. that's a farmed animal yeah but there are wild bees as well there are butterflies as you say beetles all sorts right. spiders there's all sorts of invertebrates yeah. out there and there is advice on how to garden for um wildlife I think, and, that, and I think that would be that would be something which perhaps might be easier for people to connect with if they're not natural gardeners yeah, yeah. Because you know, I think everybody gets the idea of creating habitats and yeah, yeah. looking it's, after it's animals and on. species. Yeah. You know, the, the Chelsea Flower Show's just finished, hasn't it? And a right. lot of the gardens there are about wildlife now. Okay. So it's it's now officially allowed to uh, have wildlife gardening because uh, the RHS promotes this. It provides a lot of advice on how to do this. You can go to the right. RHS website. They will tell you which plants attract pollinators and and so on so you know we can all yeah. get involved in this stuff. and it all belongs it can still belong to green roofs living walls and rain gardens it doesn't have to be separate yeah. to that just provide yeah, it can be think through what we're just, trying to achieve that's yeah it's part of uh, i mean that's only part yeah. of it there's a lot out there yeah every opportunity we have for bringing more uh soil water and vegetation into the city benefits okay. us As but then the bigger- also yeah. Gotcha. The bigger picture yeah. of urban greening, yeah. as opposed to yeah. the specifics of green roofs, living walls, and rain gardens. Yeah. The whole yeah. idea of urban greening, getting nature yeah. into yeah. into the cities. Yeah. 
yeah, but you know, uh, if you like the green roofs, the green walls, and the rain gardens are ways of shoehorning a lot of benefits into what otherwise would have been an area that people might think, well, there's nothing really we can do gotcha. here. You can do a lot. Of course, the yeah. parks need to be improved and the verges and all that stuff. It's all part of it. Yeah. Um, but, you know, uh, parks, people get that. They understand um, what they are. They they mm -hmm. know they could be improved and, they, and, and people are looking at that as well. But it's the whole package together, isn't it? Yeah. Fantastic. That's been really great speaking with you. Learned so much there. And um I just think I just think I've got a much better understanding of what urban greening is now and what's involved and what the opportunities are. So hopefully anybody listening to this, you know, will be able to take some steps to actually implementing um uh green roofs, living walls, or rain gardens, or just urban greening in general, getting nature yep. back into the cities. So thank you again, Gary. Really appreciate it. You're welcome. Thank you. And uh, you. speak to you again soon. Speak to you again soon. Bye now. Bye. 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 bye.